Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Veterans Beyond the Wire podcast. I'm your host, Tim Keller, and it's just me and Matt this week. So, Matt, how are you, sir? How you doing? No complaints here. No complaints. Had a great Halloween party over the weekend. Um, yeah, what did you dress up, up as? I, I didn't recognize that costume. You didn't recognize me wearing a suit? I, I um, you wearing a suit. My, Superman, got it. My, <laughs> Superman. I had a shirt underneath. You couldn't see it. Ha ha, got everybody. Um, we were Handmaid's Tale. So uh, that show, I was the uh, commander. So I had a fake beard. Since I can't grow a real one very well, I, I stenciled one in. I got you. Um, smudged in the, you know, the five o'clock shadow. And it then, yeah, thank you. Uh, and then my wife was the, she was, um, Alfred is her name in the show. She's, you know, wearing the, the red gown with the white headpiece on. With so thing. with the bonnet. Yeah. So that was, you know, it was an easy, it was an easy costume to do. Um, not a ton of, you know, not a ton of expense there, not a ton of, of makeup or anything like that. But uh, we, we always, you know, we've done, let's see, in the past, we've been Alice in Wonderland where I was the Mad Hatter and she was Alice. Uh, a couple years ago, I was a taco and she was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So Taco Belle, get it? <laughs> um, you know, we've done, we've, we've always done couples costumes. A long time ago, actually, I was the situation and she was Snooky from, um, Nice. Yeah, from whatever that show is, Jim Tan Laundry, that show. <laughs> so, so, uh, and the funny thing was, she was pregnant then, and so I had like the six pack suit on, mm -hmm. and you know, my hair was spiked up, and I had like some makeup on my face, and she's uh, my wife's real short, so it was a perfect snooky. It was just, it was funny. There you, there you yeah, go. So. Did she did she get spray tan for that? Uh, she did actually. She put <laughs> on like fake makeup, like fake yeah. tan makeup, so it looked really gaudy. It was terrible. Which is um, exactly that, what that show reminds me of. That's what we were going for. We were, and that's why I say I had makeup on too. Like I had orange tan makeup on my mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. so that I looked really badly tanned as well. Okay. Um, see, see, I don't watch that show, The Handmaid's Tale, but I do know of the show. So I recognized her costume. I didn't know. It's like it's Matt in a yeah. suit with yeah, a beard. It, if you haven't seen that show, this is one of those series my wife got into, and I I, I have no attention span, so I can't really watch series on on uh, Netflix or anything like that. I think, um, and I can't remember if it's on Hulu. I think it's on Hulu. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. It's a great it's a great show. It is a dystopian, strange future where everything gets turned upside down. Um, it's kind of scary. So yeah, check it out. In a world where everything's upside down. In a world where people wear white bonnets and red dresses. Yeah. So, yeah. Good yeah. Show. So we wanted to, we wanted to do, uh, you know, a you and I podcast. We talk almost every week about the professional side of things, the transition out of the service and what happens next. What's the next step to find that next job? What's, you know, Getting good on social media, start building a network on on places like LinkedIn, the skill bridge programs, internships, things of that nature. But there's the other side of life. There's right. the I don't want to call it the unprofessional side, but it's your personal life. It's the <laughs> it is pretty unprofessional. Yeah, I was going to say for me, there were plenty of unprofessional moments. But, um, you know, that's also just as important as the professional side for your right. mental health sake. It's the most important part. And we all know the, the, the struggles to uh, combat veteran suicide and things of that nature. So I think if uh, putting some of these tips and tricks out there, or just our ideas anyways, maybe it can help somebody out uh, that might be struggling with a little bit of that. But uh, just to kind of keep with the flow of things we've been doing, we wanted to talk about some news. And this isn't necessarily military news. We did kind of go over some things on military.com. There's a, a new substitute to the MRE coming out there. Essentially, it's just a, a big protein bar. So it's lighter, easier to carry around. GM's creating a new squad vehicle for infantry people in the Army. It's going to be fun. Looks like a big dune buggy. I'm sure they won't just take that out joyriding. Whatever. No. But no. Not at all. It won't break either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was always told you could never get a Humvee stuck, and then I finally saw one get stuck. So I think the first time I was in the field in the Fleet Marine Force, I saw a Hummer stuck. Yeah, in a in a oh. shallow puddle of mud. This was literally the guy got it stuck on the crest of a dune, 
Oh yeah, we, we had to get on the bumper to get the back wheels on the ground to get it to move again. But yeah, it was yeah. It's like how uh, how did you possibly get this thing stuck? How uh, is this I really I really think they should have just issued Toyota Forerunners or Tacomas or something like that, and, and they probably would have fared better. Maybe some Land Cruisers. You ever mm-hmm. been inside of a Toyota Land Cruiser? Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. Uh, I mean, they, those ha- are... they have a history of operation over there. So correct, right? Yeah. Oh wait, let's go back to the MRE thing because I want to yeah. say hello to constipation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about this. So old friend, right, right? I mean, we've all had the MREs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all been there and done that. So, um, did you have a favorite MRE? Speaking of, did you have? A, do you remember like which ones your favorite ones were? Um, honestly, the 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 five fingers of death, the hot dogs, always got yeah. a bad rap. I I didn't mind that one too much, uh, especially if you hoarded some cheese packets from other MREs that you might have had a couple days in, in the past. But um, yep. I'm trying to remember any other ones that I really enjoyed. I know right right there, the last couple years, I know the Army was developing breakfast MREs. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, hey, you know, what would be a great idea? Let's let's give these to some Marines and have them test them. <laughs> right. right. Here, uh, eat these. There was this breakfast burrito that was, it was like uh, they took a vinyl record and put beans and, and some scrambled eggs in it and then warmed the record up and folded it over into three. Mm, and here, warm, warm vinyl, warm vinyl record. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is just disgusting. I'm eating plastic. It was. That tortilla wrap was like, <laughs> yeah. it was very, it was rubbery. It was mm-hmm. rubbery. It was, yeah. um, it was almost like you could pull it apart and it would stretch before it ripped. Yeah. So. Which is yeah, not I, what you should do. I, I also, I. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's uh, I'm I'm questioning whether or not it's real food at at, at times. And, and the other thing is about all the meat. You mentioned the five fingers of death, which were, were hot dogs. I loved those. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd take the Tabasco sauce. Nice. And and I never liked Tabasco sauce until I realized that Tabasco sauce could mask the flavor of of whatever that meat was. <laughs> um, but but did you ever notice that they all the meat and all of the MREs always tasted exactly the same? So it could yeah. be the chicken breast tasted exactly like the hot dogs. Mm-hmm. It just had a different color. And if you read the ingredients, it would say pork or chicken product chunked and formed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's essentially everything was essentially the same thing as spam, whatever that <laughs> exactly is. It's spam is ten times better. It's it's a formed. Meat product, um, meat product, uh, ch- colored, chunked, and formed. Yeah, it. Um, mm. I'll tell you, I don't miss the days of MREs, and you know, you go on a training exercise, you come back. I, I know for me, the trick was, uh, you know, run off base quick to the local uh, Mexican restaurant down the road. Oh yeah, grab yourself a nice bean and cheese burrito and a six pack, and uh, you you. Hammer that before you jump in the shower, and by the time you're done showering, it's uh, it's all moving. Everything's ready to go. It's all moving, or it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't. Yeah. I don't miss MREs. My 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 kids, my nieces, my nephews all ask about them. Um, at some point, I'm sure I will go to the local uh, Army Navy store, or I know you can buy some very similar things mm-hmm. online. So I'll I'll probably introduce them to those sort of things eventually but I, I think a lot of those are made if i'm not mistaken they're made in a company here in cincinnati like right down the street from me um mm. uh i believe it's called the warnick company and they're here they at least they have a plant here uh here in cincinnati but i actually have some in my garage they've been sitting in there for probably 10 years and they're probably halfway through their shelf life yeah they're still good still good pop them open we had an event at a previous workplace we had a veterans event where we cooked up some mres and um, needless to say, if you remember that smell, and I don't know if it was a, uh, if the smell, like I, if I didn't like the smell because it just reminded me of being in the field and being, you know, covered in dirt and tired, but you know, the smell of the heater, it, it smelled like cardboard, like wet cardboard or something. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. Um, we had to heat them up inside. And I remember like the room filled with that smell. And I'm like, this is probably toxic. Yeah. Just yeah. like the food. There's uh, a chemical <laughs> reaction happening. And- <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, remember, um, lean the heater on a rock or something. Yeah, that's what it said. Yeah, <laughs> on a rock or something. Yeah, the butt end of your weapon, whatever. Right, just do something. I always kind of just laid them down. It worked well enough. Right, I right. Don't know. Yeah, it, it's amazing though how inventive uh, people in the military can be, where they have these MREs, and and you'll get a cocoa powder from somebody and a. 
uh, you know, a pound cake and somebody's peanut butter and, the, you know, with your canteen cup and just the right amount of water, you can almost make like this birthday cake. It's, it's. Oh, yeah. Know, pound, yeah. Pound cake and, and, uh, man. Yeah. Pound cake and the, and the hot chocolate mix mm-hmm. and a few other things. People be cooking up all kinds of recipes and disasters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some, some of them don't work out, but hey, you know. Guess what? At least in, another you tried. Hours, in another couple of hours, you're going to get another MRA. So, yummy. Right. right. Um, the, the article I wanted to talk about today, uh, I found on LinkedIn actually yesterday. And it, and it talks about with the current climate, with so many people working from home, this article poses the question should employers help cover the cost of working from home bills? Uh, with some of the largest companies opting to keep their corporate staff housebound until at least next July. Workers are beginning to wrestle with the financial implications. Although the commuting costs are down, home energy bills are currently soaring, as houses and apartments that once sat vacant during the day now require more air conditioning and heating. Desks, furniture, computers, printers, fax machines, all those things, the, the phone line that needs to be dedicated for work. I thought it was an interesting question because while, you know, as the article mentions the commute costs are down the fuel traffic all those good things business launches but there are costs incurred for the employee from working from home so mm-hmm. matt what's your opinion do, do you think employers should try to hey we'll throw you an extra couple bucks a month to help cover these costs yeah i mean i i think that uh, i'm aware of a lot of companies and and uh, my wife works for one where they get some stipends and expenses for home internet and um and other things because they don't work in an office and so they have to have uh they have to be able to use the internet at home and they have to be able to uh have uh, printers and things like that so they do get some stipends I, I i think you know i i don't think much about this in my own house because i work here anyway uh, 100% of the time anyway and uh, and frankly, it's not like my air conditioning or my my furnace is running all day long. Um, I have it set rather low, and I tend to dress for the uh, environment because I don't I don't want it cooking all day. But I guess I I could understand that if your costs go up because you are home all day, and you've got to, especially on a cold day and maybe in colder climates. Here in Cincinnati, we don't have terrible extremes. It's not you know negative numbers one morning. Very rarely, I should say. Um, nor is it a, a 120 degrees. Now I can see this in like somewhere like Phoenix, where you probably had your air conditioner set uh, at at an, an an economical number during the day while you're away at the office, and now you're at home and you need to keep that thing pumping all day long. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see the the numbers rising, and and maybe a company could uh, could um, could pay for a little bit of that. I, I would say this though. Uh, I'm also aware it just depends on the organization of the company and, and, and what they sell, what they provide, because some companies are, they've hurt a bit during this too. It just depends on what service they're providing. Um, but I could see that that, I could see that happening. I could see that, that going into next year. If, if some of these large organizations are keeping people from home and expecting them to stay there comfortably, the thing is, like any other work environment, you want people to be comfortable. You want mm-hmm. people to be happy. You don't want them going, I can't afford this. Because then they start looking for other jobs, mm-hmm. and, and right now we're not exactly in a job seekers market, but there are still other jobs out there. And if you're a, a skilled, talented person, uh, you can go find another role somewhere else. I mean, there's always going to be another job available. So uh, it, it, we could probably talk about it for an hour, but I'd say that it might be good for some companies to look at that and say, "Hey, what else can we do to keep our people st- to, to stick around here mm-hmm. a little bit and um, and make sure that they're comfortable and make sure that they." Uh, they want to, you know, wake up and come to work every day. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with that. Um, you know, I talked about the transportation. Uh, you know, you're wearing suits, business attire every day, so your cost of dry cleaning is is down. Mm-hmm. Uh, men- mentioned business lunches, or uh, you know, if you're getting up and going to the office every day, or or wherever you work, uh, there's going to be that day where you're like, hey, you know what? I didn't I didn't make myself anything last night. I'm just going to grab something on the way to the office. I'll just grab something. You know, at that restaurant down the street for lunch, whatever it is. So those kind of costs are down. Right. You didn't make yourself anything last night. Guess what? It's right there in the fridge. Right. Um, but unless there's like you need a landline, for instance, and the, and the company says, "Hey, we we need you to get this." Mm-hmm. 
I would say there's really no, I don't see a, a major reason for the company to necessarily pick up your costs. Uh, if you already have a cell phone and you're using that for work, you can write that off as a tax write-off, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, so you can get money back that way. But um, other than like, you know, printer ink, things yeah. of that nature, those can get expensive. Maybe like a quarterly stipend. Hey. Yeah. Here's an extra forty dollars a quarter to cover printer ink, things of that nature. But and I do think that if the company's asking you to incur more cost, then absolutely they should they should pay for that if it's in in the way of work. Um, but you're right. If you look at the average commuter to work, they're saving money on fuel. They don't have to eat out, even if they pack their lunch before. There's probably some savings there, unless there's something that I'm not seeing. Um, there's probably some savings there that 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 the individual was probably making. Um, but I, I, I think out of this whole conversation, I would love to hear the movie trailer about what this sounds like where everybody's working from home. In a world where no one goes to an office, <laughs> does anything actually get done? <laughs> and studies show that, yes, actually more gets done. It's kind of odd. Who would have thought? Studies have shown that for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they've been saying that people that work remotely, uh, are doing are doing well um you can have entire call centers from home uh i i work from home i'm actually you know i'll tell you in my own experience i've always worked from an office until the last year and a half or so and uh i am more productive i get more done sitting in my own office at home because i have no distractions unless it's a sick day for my kid or something like that in which case generally he's either you know he's in bed or playing video games so um yeah, largely, there's no distractions here. There's no people in the office to talk to. There's no water cooler talk, as they say. I'm not going to a cafeteria and meeting with 16 other people and shaking hands. Um, we've been saying this for quite some time. Now, I'd say also on top of that, if you don't trust your people to work from home, then you probably shouldn't have hired them because you don't trust them. You know, So there's a little bit of a dynamic there. This isn't. I'm not saying anything that we haven't already said on uh, social media or on LinkedIn. but. Um, you know, if you hire the right people for the right reasons, then they, they really should be able to work from anywhere. They should be able to work from Starbucks and get their job done. They but, should be. Yeah. yeah. But in a world where heating and air conditioning costs are skyrocketing. <laughs> How yeah. will we survive? <laughs> but no, let's let's kind of transition over to, to the meat and potatoes of the show here today. We wanted to talk about. Uh, so you've you've recently transitioned out of the military. You're dealing with the, hey, let's find a job. Let's find my career. But what are you going to do when you're not in work mode? Uh, kind of jotted some notes down last night of, of things that were circling in my head about this topic. Um, but I kind of want to I want to start off. Let's have a little fun with this. You're out at the bar. You're uh, hanging with the boys from back home. They're introducing you to their college friends, things of that nature. What are some of the just oddball slash kind of dumb questions you'll occasionally hear from civilians, you know, aimed at a veteran? Jeez. Oh, man. Uh, uh, there are a few right off the top of my head. Uh, number one, and this is uh, across the board, mm -hmm. anybody who probably served in the Marines or the Army, probably especially, uh, did you kill anybody? There you go. That that's is the one. That's survey says yeah one. right that is number one for like 80 <laughs> points uh for 120 points that's it um you know we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before the uh the the emotional transition out of the military and and i think that this goes hand in hand with that and, and i i thought you know when you were saying you're at the bar and your friends are introducing you to people the initial thing that came to my mind was that strange feeling you get when you're like, I'm not like any of you. Um, I didn't, I haven't been hanging out in the dorm for four years. I, I wasn't in a fraternity. I wasn't in a fraternity like you. My fraternity yeah, was bigger and tougher. Pretty fraternity. fraternity. Yeah, my fraternity was far better than yours um, and harder to get into. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, that's the we, and we can talk about that in a minute. That's the emotional, the emotional piece that that stressful emotional piece of I don't fit in or where do I do from, from this point yeah. forward? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, aside from did you kill anybody, I had a guy who is a uh, not a close friend, an acquaintance um, years ago. And this was probably two years after I got out, maybe a year after I got out. Uh, I, I had a local bar that I would I would attend. It was right down the street from my house. I had some friends that would always be there. I knew the bartender. So I, I was frequently in there just, you know, having a couple of beers. And this guy told me, because I've always been, and, and Tim, you know this from when we were in the Marines together, I've always been sort of a silly, humorous person. Mm-hmm. He told me, you don't act like a Marine. You don't seem like a Marine. Mm. And I was kind of like, hmm, I don't understand what that means. Um, like, I don't, I don't get what that means because some of the toughest dudes I've ever met were in the Marines and some of the silliest guys that I've known were in the Marines. Like, it's a hodgepodge of people. It's a, it is a cross section of the United States of America. Yeah. And you've got, you've got guys, I mean, I, I say guys, you've got women in there who are tougher than most men that I know. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I don't know what classifies a Marine other than when we put that uniform on, we go to work, we're the best at it. You know, and I, I, I'd say that even if my army buddies were sitting here too, but uh, we're the best at it. And so I didn't know how to field that question, but that's mm-hmm. one of those. You don't seem like you were in the Marines. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I've had somebody say something similar. Like, really, I, I, I didn't think you. Yeah, you just don't seem that way. And I go, how should a Marine act? Right. Hmm. Have. How how much time have you spent? I mean, like weeks, in the days, Marines. years on end <laughs> around nothing but Marines, and tell me exactly how they should act. Because I mean, this is kind of muted what you're seeing right now, bud. Like, right, right. Um, I I've gotten the what was boot camp like mm-hmm. uh, question a bunch of times. Uh, you know, hey, where have you been? Um, and then once you start rattling places, off, oh, what's that like? And you're like. Oh, well, yeah, I was in Italy on an airbase for about 17 hours. Couldn't tell you what Rome's like. It was amazing. <laughs> I met the Pope. We shook hands. We <laughs> ate chicken wings. And then I left. Like, I, you uh, know, uh, um, 17 I, hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, the, the, the boot camp question comes up a lot. Like, that must have been the hardest thing. I'm like, it was really hard. It was a hard transition from being a, a stupid kid on the block, as we said. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a stupid kid from middle class America going showing up at Paris Island one night um, <laughs> and, and getting my ass handed to me for three months. Yeah. Uh, however, it wasn't the hardest thing I did in, in, in the Marine Corps. It wasn't the, some of the hardest stuff was... Um, uh, when I went to 1st Marine Division and I was with 1st uh, Combat Engineer Battalion and we were attached to Fox Company 2-1, which is a, a raider company, amphibious radio, raider company. And we were the engineer element with this amphibious raider company. And so uh, raiders are, for anybody listening that doesn't know what that is, um, this is a, it's it's an old subset of, back in World War II, there was a group called the Raiders that was founded as a special operations unit. And these would be the guys who would sneak in on little boats in the middle of the night and go do some sort of sabotage or some sort of raid, uh, an assault on an objective, and then they'd pick up and leave. And so that's what Fox Company 2-1 was. It was an amphibious raid company. And so we got attached to them and had to do all their, their Zodiac boat training and talk about, you know, people are like, well, it's Southern California. It's got to be warm out there. I'm like, man, yeah. when you're doing boat raids in December in Southern California, it's not warm and you're soaking wet and you haven't slept for two days. And you're covered in your paint and you're covered in salt because you get dropped off the back of a ship, the back door of a ship. Um, let's call it 20 miles off the coast of, you know, California, Red Beach, Camp Pendleton. Um, you get dropped off 20 miles out there in the middle of the night. It's 40 something degrees. You're soaking wet, scooting across water. Uh, known to be a cold ocean. It's a cold it's- ocean. Yeah. yeah. You're freezing. Dudes were going hypothermic. I mean, people were cold. That sucked. Yeah. Your your body physically aches. I, honestly, I look back on it sometimes today, and and while I was in it, I'm like, man, this sucks, but it's pretty cool because we're doing this cool stuff. We're showing up on the beach, all painted up, and it's exactly what I always thought of, like when you see the movies, like the Navy SEAL movies and stuff like that, and the, the TV shows where these dudes are coming in off off the beach in the middle of the night and sneaking up into the ground. That's what we were doing. We were doing that kind of stuff. Um. But uh, when I look back on it, I'm like, I don't know how I didn't die 48 times because it yeah. was cold and it sucked and we were tired. And I, there's no way I could do it today. Um, 
But th- that was some of the hardest training, some of the hardest experience I'd ever had, you know, for a couple of days at a time. Now, it wasn't three months at Paris Island where every day was you're having your freedom stripped away from you. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you know, it's basically your parents times a hundred yelling at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you went to live with an uncle that absolutely hates you. Right. <laughs> Three or four uncles that absolutely yeah. hate you. And and you've got a, about 60 or 70 siblings who are a bunch of morons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it seems that Nobody way. could ever do anything right. That was the thing. God. It didn't matter how good you were. You guys were always messed up. Because they play the odds. They got 60 or 70 of you. Guess what? Somebody's going to mess up the count. Somebody's right. going to leave their footlocker unlocked. Somebody's yep. going to not have the bed made right. Like w- One of them's going to mess something up, and then they turn it into all of you. You're all shit. Ah. And honestly, let's be honest. There were a handful of times where they made something up and I knew they made something up. Like yeah. the guy next to me, they're like, oh, you didn't want to tie your boot. Everybody take your boots off. And I'm like, no, I just saw him. He tied his boots. I saw his boots were tied. You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find anything really wrong. Say, you can't really pull that, though. You can't. Hey, excuse me, sir. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> Drill instructor lies. <laughs> lies. <laughs> yeah, they're. There, there are occasionally those phantom uh, mistakes that were made that just well, you know, they needed they needed to burn some time. So guess what? You're all getting smoked. The whole idea there is, you know, looking back on it, the whole idea is to to build team cohesion, and that mm-hmm. is to to be able to deal with the stressors of being part of a team where um, you know you're only as fast as the weakest link, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, or, or you're strong as the weakest link. Um, it, it was to create that team cohesion and try to pull the team apart. And that's why they would make things up like that. And they would say like, oh, you left your footlocker unlocked. It's like, no, he didn't. I see it. His footlocker's locked, you know? Yeah. And then for some reason, they couldn't get it open. Um, it, it was always something like that because they wanted to create that that chaos. And and that's, that's also simulated chaos for combat. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, combat situations, deployment situations, they're, they're chaotic. It's... Uh, it's hard to keep your wits about you if you're not conditioned in that environment. My mom told me um, a few years ago her alarm system in her house went off. And she's like, it was so loud. She's like, I couldn't think. I couldn't punch the keys in because it was so loud beeping on my face. And she's like, I immediately thought of you at Paris Island and how loud it was. I was like, Mom, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But but I understand <laughs> I understand the uh, I understand the sentiment there, and, and it is it's creating this chaos with loud noises and you know loud noises, it, yeah, loud noises. It's teaching you during that chaos to be able to take that deep breath and remain focused and as calm as you possibly can, because they do a great job of making sure you're not. But right, you know, try to find that level in your own head and body where you can just go, I can do this. Yeah, all right, let's go. Yep. Let's get through this and move on to, you know, finally going to get morning chow. Yeah, but there's a guy on LinkedIn named Tony Taylor. I don't know Tony personally, but he always posts some really good videos um, about uh, you know different military situations. But I, I believe he's a Marine as well, and he posts he posts some pictures of uh, of some video from from boot camp and um, not pictures videos and uh, and somebody wrote in the comments one time what. Does this training, what uh, significance does this training have to anything? And this person was being honest, like honestly asking yeah. this question. I don't know if they were being facetious or not, but what purpose does this training serve? And a bunch of Marines hopped in and said, this is this is preparation for combat. This is preparation for the rest of your life that you can sit in front of a board of 15 people interviewing you, for example, or present in front of 50 people uh, because nothing you do from this point forward will be as stressful as some of this training, uh, maybe other than combat, but nothing you do for the rest of your life will be as hard as what you're doing right now. And it's, it's that preparation. Uh, we always said, well, we're PTing PT should be harder than the PFT. We should run more miles yeah. during PT on a Wednesday morning than we should the three mile PFT run, you know, just so that when we go out and run the three mile PFT run, it's easy compared to what we've been doing. So mm-hmm. it's just that kind of logic. Only in the Marine Corps, probably. I don't know. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you there though. But because once you get out of boot camp, there shouldn't be too many more times in your life where you're gonna have uh, multiple individuals in your face screaming at you at the top of their lungs. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if there is, uh you've probably committed some sort of crime and yeah, you, know, <laughs> you get you get what you deserve. Right. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so 
there's definitely the questions you get from from new individuals you meet or, or some of your old friends. Yeah. Um, but I know I know for me when I got out trying to find a hobby other than going to the bar and, and drinking on a nightly basis. Right. I found to be healthy. Uh, I know the the one summer when I first came back from the uh, from the service, I moved down to South Jersey. The one summer it, I had a group of friends and it was like almost nightly. We would purchase beverages and take them over, but we would all get together a group of us and it was like a beach volleyball summer. Uh, yeah. Every night, you know, we could count on a certain core group of us to be there. Uh, it kept us out of, you know, the actual bars was, were there drinks there? Absolutely. But we were doing it in a controlled environment. Uh, we were, we were staying active and, and healthy and it, and it kept me from, you know, being places I probably didn't need to be all the time. But it also gave me a, I don't want to say it gave me a sense of purpose, but it gave me that, hey, at the end of the day, I know what I'm going to do. And, right. You know, I, I know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll be over there doing this. And I knew people expect me to be there. And so I didn't get off work and go, oh, what am I going to do? I guess I'm just going to go to the bar now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's another, you bring up another great point, And that is that a lot of people can come out of the armed forces and, and either find themselves back in the group that they used to be in. And there's probably a reason they went in the military in the first place. And some of that reason may have been, they were around the wrong people. They were with the wrong group and your future success in the, actually your success in the military too, your success in the military and beyond, um, has a lot to do with who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I say this, I mean, I'm in talent acquisition professionally. I'm in recruiting. Um, if you can find one rock star, that person probably has 10 other rock stars around them. So if we're finding one person who's like, this is an exceptional hire, ask them to bring their friends because they, you know, great people surround themselves with other great people. And I know a lot of people, and I almost slipped down this road when I came out, I had a, I had a, a, a rough transition out, just trying to figure out where I belonged and. I had some friends back home. I got into the restaurant business and some, some friends that were, uh, not the most savory characters. Uh, not that I ever really got in with them a hundred percent, but just people I surrounded myself with. And I kind of looked around at one point in time and I said, this is not where I belong. These are not my people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course I had, a, a, you know, they had big shoes to fill because the last people I was with were you and, uh, and Stence. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Purcell and Steve yeah. Stentz and, Adam Lufkin and Hoffman, Rich Hoffman, and, you know, all these guys that were, you know, we had our own little, like, gang of, Mm -hmm. you know, we were 95 percenters, I'd say. We we weren't perfect, but we were good dudes, right? I mean, came out of the military, and suddenly I wasn't surrounded by these guys anymore, you know? And so that's, that's, that's another thing. I think I, I run into a lot of people. I have bumped into people before. We used to have a networking event here in Cincinnati where we'd have cigars, and you'd have guys... That would come in and just say, "I'm I'm just looking for some friends because mm-hmm. they don't belong anywhere." Yeah, um, and it's you know it's sad, especially it's got to be especially hard right now with COVID, and you know over the, the course of the last several months, people don't have these networking items. It's all virtual, like we're doing right, right now. Um, and if you're not married with a family, even if you are married with a family, how do you how do you get away for a little while? You know, how do you? How do you go hang out with your friends? And I guess you can. You can now. People are getting back to some normalcy, but it's got to be tough coming out of the military trying to put a, put a network together when everything is shut down. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I know another big thing for me personally was the gym. Um, you know, I got out, yeah. and the, the day they handed me my DD two fourteen, I was like, I'm I will never run. I don't care what gun they have what building's falling down. I'm not running from nothing ever again. I don't care. I refuse to run anywhere. No more um, running. Yeah. Um, and then a few months later, I was like, man, I've, I've eaten everything I've wanted to eat. I've uh, drank everything I've wanted to drink. And I've started to uh, put this little pouch down here on the belly. Uh, right. Maybe I should find that gym and find a treadmill yep. and, you know, yep. um, it, you know, that's, that's a great way to relieve stress. It's another great place to meet people. Uh, you can get into, you know, programs at gyms, uh, you know, group classes, things of that nature. You can find like-minded people that way. Um, I know that, um, you know, our guests last week fishing, I spent a lot of time on a boat down in South Jersey. Yeah. Uh, just getting away the, the calm, the, the peacefulness of, of the water. If it's a riverside, a lakeside out in the ocean, 
sometimes just being away uh, from everything else and kind of clearing the mind for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things like that are great. Um, And then for me, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say another thing that I I wish I would have done a little bit better is is financial acumen. Um, Mm. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that book and and a Mm -hmm. few others uh, when I was much older, years after I got out of the military. And I, I wish that I could have gone back to... I mean, when I left the Marine Corps, I had several thousand dollars in the bank, maybe $10,000 in the bank that I'd saved over the course of a few years. And I, I came home and spent it. Yeah, and it goes quick. Yeah. And, and it was because I took a couple months off and put my social life back together and paying the rent, paying the bills and stuff like that. I wish that along with staying, um, staying up with my physical fitness, I wish that I would have understood how money works a little bit better. And this is, you know, fatherly parental advice to anybody coming out of the military, even if you're out of the military, even if you're not even in the military and you never were, financial acumen is one of those things. It talks about it in this book that our our, our parents' generation didn't tell us, didn't tell us how compound interest works and how assets and liabilities work and how to pay for stuff. Don't go out and buy the nice car on a you know 40% interest rate. I mean, you're just getting, you're getting, you know, you're, you're getting taken for a ride, no pun intended. Um, but I wish that I, I wish that I could have had a little bit more acumen there. You know, it's maturity. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about the transition process through the military, and it is back then. It was here's how you write your resume, and here's how you open a savings account. Now get out. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's how you write your check to pay your rent. Right. Or your right. mortgage. Things of that and, nature. And, and by the way, go to college, and you're like, okay, well then what? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wish that uh, I wish somebody would have sat me down, and strapped me to a chair, and said, "Listen, you will you will do better if you start looking at investments, if you start understanding how money is made and how money can be spent, and how not to spend your money. Buy a house. I wish I would have bought a house earlier than I ever did. Yeah, um, you know, paying rent somebody else, uh, you, you, making somebody else rich." Yeah, you're not you know? getting. There's no value added to you. No, but no. Yeah, you don't own anything. Yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, Matt, I've I've seen you post videos uh, of this exact thing. But another thing for me uh, was just shooting. I mean, it's a big part of at least what we did in the Marine Corps, being mm-hmm. a marksman and uh, using the skills you were taught there. And why why let something like that go to waste? You should. Right. Keep yourself from becoming rusty at those sort of things. The skill yeah. that not everybody has. Uh, you know, I like shooting. Um, I like doing some of those uh, practical uh, ranges where you're doing transitions between between weapons. Um, and it's not, you know, I have to say this. I'm not a hunter. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind hunting. I, I'm just not a hunter. I enjoy shooting because I realized in, in the Marine Corps, I got really good at it. Mm-hmm. I had never... I had fired a pistol before I went in the Marines. I had never fired a rifle before that. And I, I went to boot camp and, um, I was, I, I tied for a company high shooter on the range. And so, um, so it was a, it was a really high score. I did really well. I did really well through all the prequals and everything like that. And I realized like I can hit a target the size of a small dinner plate at 500 yards without a scope on my rifle. That's, that's pretty impressive. Like, we're all doing that. We're all doing something similar to that in the Marine Corps. Um, but I was, you know, I was um, with an M16A2. I was hitting the center mass of that target and grouping my shots at 500 yards. And I was like, I'm actually good at this. So I enjoy yeah. doing that today. Um, but it's also it's a discipline thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I have I have a video on YouTube where I'm doing the transition transition between rifle and pistol. And I've got somebody yelling commands at me. And the whole process there is that you're. You're training your brain to similar to the conversation we were having before about boot camp and them yelling at you in the chaos of the situation. You're training your brain to focus on the, the not the target at hand, but the situation at hand versus the other things that are going on around you. Um, and that is even in daily life outside of shooting. If you think about everything you see on TV, everything is and now this everything happens in three second increments. We have conditioned ourselves to have no attention span. TV happens in three second clips. Commercials are 10 second clips. You know, YouTube is full of Vine videos that are a couple of seconds at a time. Um, so being able to, to, to put yourself into a discipline, you know, you mentioned going to the gym and exercising, shooting, um, financial acumen. These are things that require you to sit down and focus on 
you know, the task at hand and, uh, and become good at them. And, and you can see your results instantly, you know, maybe not with financial acumen, but everything else you can see your results. Um, I, I think financially within a few weeks, you can see things at least, okay, starting to trend in the right direction. Yeah. I, financial is something you do have to definitely show patience with. Uh, you know, you have to live with the downs before you find some up sometimes, but yeah, just be patient and, and, and rely on what you've learned. Um, I know f- the shooting portion for me, um, a few weeks back, there was a fox, uh, out back here trying to get to some of the rabbits. Uh, so that fox got, um, well, we'll say put down. Um, but it got the, the, the kids excited. They, I've never, I've never let them even hold a weapon before. Yeah. Um, but they all started asking questions. So, uh, the wife and I talked. They all said they would like to learn. So um, I figured my very first weapon I ever had was a little BB gun. So I went out and bought a little BB rifle, uh, a bunch of BBs, targets. I set you know soda cans and stuff up in the backyard. And uh, I took a Saturday morning. Uh, the nieces and nephews came over, you know, started with the weapon safety, because if you can't be safe with a BB gun, you're never going to get the, you know, use the real thing. Because if I can't trust you with a BB gun, I'm not going to trust you with a with a, a, a live pistol or a live rifle that has uh, rounds that can actually do real damage. Right. Um, and then, you know, we did a little bit of shooting and, uh, you know, I was, I was very impressed with some of them. Some of them are pretty good shots, actually. And I, I let them know, like, hey, this is something you got to practice at. Yep. It's not something that you, you lay down and automatically you're going to be good at it. And, you know, like the whole find that natural pause of your breath. They all thought I was being a weirdo. And I'm, like, I'm telling you, you just listen, calm yourself down. Yeah. That breath. Boom. Yep. And then after uh, they all, you know, ran through some things, they're like, all right, you say you're so good. Let's see. So I said, all right, set up six cans and six cans, six shots. It's like, it's not hard. There you go. With, with your eyes closed, right? <laughs> no. No, was, I, I, they all, they all were shooting from prone. Uh, I sat there and went standing from about 30, 35 yards away, six cans, mm-hmm. a little BB gun, open sights. No. Uh, let me ask you, when you were telling them about weapon safety, did you call out the weapon safety rules as they do on a military range? Like, treat every weapon as if it were loaded. I have, no joke, a <laughs> whiteboard right here. <laughs> treat, never keep, keep. Oh, that's I, awesome. I, I took a whiteboard. I used the dry erase marker. I wrote them out. Treat, never keep, keep. Because... Uh, <laughs> Those those rules work. They honestly they work. do. So I, I figured it is it is the safest way to treat an individual on how to use a weapon. Yeah. And I'm going to start with the safest of weapons, a BB gun, and I'm going to teach them how to properly and safely use that. So when the day comes that they want to go to a, a range or something like that and shoot a real weapon, those are already instilled in them. Right. I mean, they absolutely are. I have a, a friend of mine. I uh, just bought a gun the other day, and it's his first. And uh, I told him the same exact thing. I said, you, "You treat every weapon as if it were loaded. Never point your weapon at anything you don't intend to shoot. Keep your finger straight and off the trigger until you're ready to fire." What's the last one? Uh, keep your weapon pointed down. Keep your weapon, yeah, keep or keep your weapon. Yeah. So, so it was. I, I told him first and foremost, even when we were looking at the, even when we were looking at the weapons at the store, it mm-hmm. was. Uh, I don't even touch the trigger. When you touch the trigger, you should have a feeling of shame uh, if you are not pointing it downrange. And, and mm-hmm. I, I mean that sincerely. I, I told him, I said, I, I still, if I ever touch the trigger on a, a weapon, it's, um, I should be like, oh no, what have I done? You know, <laughs> it, it should be. You've it, put everyone around you at risk. Right. It should, sure. it should instill that sort of, um, it should instill that sort of, not, I, I don't want to call it fear, but that sort of response should be, oh, I touched the trigger and I'm not pointed down range yeah something in your head should click and say this is not i'm doing this incorrectly yeah let's fix this yep but um some of the other things i wanted to kind of kind of talk about today is staying in touch with military members matt you and i get to do this on a weekly basis but we you know you brought up some of the names some of the guys we spent our last uh our last year in japan together with um if it was not for social media i don't know if i if i honest would have any sort of connection with any of these individuals, at least mm-hmm. from that side, I know that um, 
one of the guys I met in MOS school. Yep. He was the best man at my wedding. Um, I got local guys uh, in the area that I talk to on a pretty regular basis. Um, but yeah, thanks to social media, the, the ability to keep in touch. And even if it's not being able to talk to them, have conversations with them on a regular basis, you see uh, a buddy of yours that you served with have yeah. have a child, buy that house, get a new job, and just being able to say, hey, congratulations. Yep. Awesome. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Um, because yeah. if you, you get out, you, you feel that I don't have a purpose anymore. I don't belong to anything anymore. You still do. You still 100% do. And there's people that still care. Despite the fact that you don't wake up uh, beside that roommate and go to the chow hall and then run PT and then go back and do your job for the day, you still belong to that group. That group right. forever exists. Yep. And those people still rely on you because they still care. So, And I, I think you have something to offer them, too, in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, and and I've, I have leaned on those people for friendship. I've leaned on people for advice. I mean, I know guys that, that got out that we served with that are like financial advisors now and mm -hmm. do mortgages and do, you know, different things where I'm like, Hey, I have a question. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I mean, you're still part of that network. And I think like, like any other, like st strong bonds and friendships, uh, over time, you can get back on the phone with that person. I mean, how long was it bef between you and I speaking uh, years, right? Yeah. Other than, um, other than the back and forth on social media is a case. Yeah. Right. Actually having a, a conversation, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. And, and every once in a while, like, I just connected with another guy that I uh, deployed with back in 2001 uh, on social media. And it's like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, good to see you. Like, yeah. like we just saw each other last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, you've got the ones that there are two or three that I cannot find. It's, it's as yeah. though they fell off the face of the earth. And that sucks. I mean, that's really hard to... That's hard to, to, to swallow sometimes because it's like, I'd really like to talk to that person. People that I was very close with. One of my roommates from 1st Marine Division um, at, at Camp Pendleton. Can't find him anywhere. It's like the dude just disappeared. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you still stay part of that community. You still earned it. You all earned it together. And especially mm -hmm. if you've done deployments together or yeah. you served together for a long period of time, you've done things as a group that, I mean, let's literally compare this to any other group, you know, my wife asks me sometimes, she's like, how is it, how's the military different from college? And she's not asking me that being snarky. She's, she's asking me to explain mm -hmm. if I'm explaining it to somebody. And I said, <clears throat> you know, in, in college, you're, you're going to classes and you, you are going through something together with these people, but you go to classes, you might live together, you party together, you socialize together. But for the most part, your daily struggles, not to say that there aren't struggles in college, but your daily struggles are the things that everybody struggles with anyway. Um, mm -hmm. My grades, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friends, my social life, et cetera, et cetera. In the military, you have all of that, except you're also doing it on zero sleep for multiple days and you're, you're accomplishing objectives and missions that are, uh, in some cases, you, you know, by definition, they're humanly impossible. Um, and and you are earning things in very dangerous zero fail environments with this team, and you have to become cohesive. You have to become a brotherhood uh, or a fraternity, as we said before. There is there is no other option but to become the best of friends. Even if you don't like the guy next to you socially, you are now bonded for life, and you are accomplishing missions together. And you will you will die for each other. I I will say this: there there were definitely individuals that uh, once the day was done and you're back at the barracks or you're you know you're going to go out on town there there were individuals that hung out with certain groups and other groups when it came to the social time didn't necessarily hang out a ton but during the day when you're in the field when you're on a deployment anything like that it didn't matter which social group beyond work you were with those were the guys that you were going to complete whatever the task was and you were going to do it as best as you possibly could. And right. all that other BS just really, really didn't matter because this is the only thing that truly matters. And then despite that, anytime somebody was getting out, uh, you know, getting uh, sent to a new unit, anytime there was um, somebody's family member 
came to visit, the whole group got together. I, I remember, you know, uh, times going to the beach there in, in Camp Pendleton or yeah. uh, over in Japan when, when, whenever somebody got out. It didn't matter what necessarily, what social click beyond work you were with. All of those individuals got together because at the end of the day, we have that shared common bond. Right. A um, couple right. other things um, I wanted to bring up was places like the VFW, the American Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you've gotten out and and, you know, you just don't have that sense of, of belonging to the military anymore. And really, I think it, it's good. You, you've earned. You've earned your military membership. You know, by doing things that, that so few people do. So yeah. maintaining that connection to the military probably isn't the worst thing in the world to, to maintain. So places right. like the VFW uh, allow you to meet other individuals that have uh, gone and done those same things, have right. that same sort of mindset, that same mentality, uh, and just being able to interact with other individuals like that. I think those are great, great places. And I'd, I'd say this for, for the younger generation of veterans, the post 9-11 generation, there were, there were times where I showed up to a VFW. I was a member of a VFW here, mm-hmm. uh, in my area and I'd show up. You're going to talk about the, uh, the age bracket. Yeah. I was yeah. the youngest person in the room and it was like the music stopped when I walked in. Who are now, you? What are you doing here? Yeah. Like what? Um, and, and it's, it is, it was mostly, I would say, uh, you had your, what I found out, it was mostly your Vietnam era veterans and then even Cold War veterans. So as I come to find out, you know, I'm walking in here thinking, look, these are salt dogs that were crawling around in the mud in the jungles of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been through it. Well, then I found out that most of them were not in combat or they were, you know, in limited combat. They were in limited engagements and things like that. So it, it felt a little less intimidating. Um, but I'll tell you this for, for anybody who's, looking at one of these groups and going, well, I don't belong there. I'm too young or I don't fit in with that group. Uh, one of the best things I found to do is find another friend, a friend of yours or somebody else in your age group or somebody that you trust or, or you're familiar with in your community and go with them, mm-hmm. go be a member with them. That way you're not walking into the room by yourself. And now you're representative or you are a representative of your generation along with your other friends. And I'm seeing in, in VFWs, I'm seeing in, in uh, American legions, I'm seeing a younger and younger generation start to move in there. Guys like us who uh, are now the older generation of post 9-11. Yeah. Uh, or the older group of the, post the, the first wave, the first wave right. of that whole group. Right. Yeah. And, and we are beyond our, I'm going to call it like pride and age. Like I don't belong here. We're, we're yeah. getting beyond that. And now we're looking for ways that we can give back or we can, we can participate and communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been to a few, I've been to a couple of events with the Vietnam Veterans of America's chapters, uh, a company I used to be with actually sponsored a dinner. Um, and it was a welcome home dinner because a lot of the Vietnam veterans were never welcome home, welcome home, excuse me. Um, and so we had this big dinner with 300 of them in the room and, and we, they walked back in the room and we all clapped for them and said, welcome home. Uh, and, and that was rewarding. It was it was very cool. And if you find as you find a lot of these guys, they don't talk about their experiences because they weren't welcomed. They didn't. Yeah. They had no they, forum to talk about it. Yep. You know, they weren't supported. And they have done the Vietnam generation um, has done more for our generation in terms of legislation and fight like fighting yeah, the, the battle. bill, the, yeah. the, the, the benefits we all receive now, the medical yep. treatment, things of that nature. Yeah. Just just fighting that fight for us so that the same thing doesn't happen to us yep. that happened to them, you yep. know? Um, yeah, I think I think those are great places, especially – and if you are the youngest person in the room, that's great. That's great. You're the, you're right. the start of the next generation of individuals that are going to come and, and keep pushing those places on. But go in and, and just sit down beside one of these guys, and even if they don't necessarily want to have a full-fledged conversation about, you know, you know you're going to be that, that new guy, hey – Where'd you go? What'd you yeah, do? Sit, sit down beside him and say, you don't look like a Marine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, first, my. Question, first question should be, did you kill anybody? Yeah. And yeah. then let just, the conversation get really awkward. Yeah. Just start there. And, uh, you know, no, but I would say it's great to have conversations with those people just to let them know how much they're appreciated and how much they're valued and how much you respect them. Because, right. you know, they did it at a different time. They did it before we were around. Um, things were tougher, harder. They had uh, much less technology to help them, uh, less much less communications, right? Things of that nature. Just yeah, they were 
Yeah, their their families fi- found out about their injuries and and their casualties through uh, telegraph and mail, yeah. like mail showing up or uh, telegram. My bad, not telegraph. We're a little beyond that. Yeah, uh, yeah, a, a mail, an envelope would show up at their house, and it would say, you know, young Billy was injured or killed, and it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, that doesn't that's not something that happens in our generation. They didn't have video chat with their families. They they didn't get to watch their children being born over video. Um, and, and a lot of them were drafted. That's the other thing that we're, I think we forget in the, in the, the modern era now, uh, compared to 45, 50 years ago. Um, they didn't sign up to go to the military like we did. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were, were, were forced to go. So, um, yeah, different, different generation, but no less they're still here with us. And, uh, and they're still serving their communities, and they've done a lot. Even though you know a lot of them are retired now, they, there's, there's been a lot of legislation and rules and standards, really standards set forth um, to to make sure that our lives are easier. Yeah, I want to cover one more thing that you had in some of your notes, Tim. Yeah, and that is watching a movie, watching military movies oh, as yes. a veteran. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know we can go through these all day. There are, are a handful of movies that get it right. Like Saving Private Ryan was a, a pretty realistic, gritty movie. Um, you know, a few others, but they still release these military-esque movies where you're like, come on, come yeah. on now. I, I know, I know one of the easiest ones to point out and, and my wife always gives me like the elbow and the ribs. Uh, you know, you got that guy in his dress uniform. And his medals and ribbons are just all. Like, you got your you got your rank insignia up here where the right. EGA should be or something. It's, or it's Captain Staff Sergeant Navy Seal. Yeah, you'll have yeah, General you'll Stevenson. Have, you'll have <laughs> a guy in a Navy uniform with Army uh, rank insignias. Or right. that's what. Right, right. Jump wings upside down. Um, then there's the explosions. Uh, obviously, <laughs> us being combat engineers, the explosions. For Hollywood, a real life explosion where it's a bunch of dirt and dust flying through the air isn't sexy. So right. they need that big fiery fireball. Explosion. Yeah, they need that big like fifty five gallon drum of gasoline to make that right. big fireball go up in the air. And you're right. like, that's not what a that's not what C four looks like. That's not people what dynamite flying does. Through the air, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's not it. Um, people shooting explosives with guns. So yeah. there's like a t- trunk full of C four. <laughs> Shoot it! Bang, bang, bang! In real life, guys. In real life. Uh, be a very uneventful. You'd be shooting the trunk of a car, and it would continue to drive away. <laughs> yeah. so, because you can throw a stick of C4 on a bonfire, and it'll burn. It mm. won't explode. It'll burn. Um, yeah. So we used to play Bangalore baseball. Uh, <sighs> you know, a Bangalore is a five foot section of Composition B explosives, and we'd play baseball with a, a stick of C4 that's been molded into a ball, and we'd hit the ball. We'd hit this ball of C4. With the Bangalore, and and usually we were with an infantry unit, they'd be freaking out, like, you guys can't do that, we're all going to die. We're like, we're not, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not the smarter things that we've done, but generally speaking, you're not in any danger there. Um, But uh, in the movies, the explosions, the grenade explosions are the Mm -hmm. worst. When somebody throws a grenade and a big fire explosion and the whole house burns down. (laughs) You're like, no. No, that's not. I think there some windows would have got blown out. Uh, the table it was under is probably in a couple hundred pieces right now. But yeah. right, yeah. So uh, you know, a couple of recent movies like Zero Dark Thirty, relatively recent. I thought that that they did a pretty good job of, mm-hmm. you know, the the clunkiness of showing up on a special operation raid and they crashed a helicopter, which is what happened in real life. Crashed one of their helicopters right in the compound. Then they tried to get into certain doors that were barricaded. Certain breaches didn't work, so they they put door breaches on the door. It wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Door wouldn't come open, so then they have to find another way around. There was an element of clunkiness to it, but they got the the sort of um, I don't know, like it it felt gritty. It felt you're like okay, I can, I can get with this. Um, the Outpost is another one that came out recently. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix mistaken. has that now. As a matter of fact, the Outpost. Uh, I forget the name of that base in Afghanistan. Essentially, it's a cop heating. Yeah, a yep, couple of guys won the Medal of Honor there. Uh, one of those is actually a gentleman by the name of Ty Carter, who I served yep. with in Camp Pendleton. Yep. Right. He got out, uh, joined the Army uh, after 9-11, and uh, the guy ended up winning the, the Congressional Medal of Honor. So uh, much love to Ty there. Uh, yep. I've spoke to him a, a few times since then, but um, 
eventually would love to get a guy like that on here, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Uh, Soul Survivor. I've seen that. Um, it was, um, oh God, Marky Mark. Um, you're not thinking of Soul Surfer. No, no. Uh, it was, uh, Mark Wahlberg played a Navy SEAL. Okay. His entire, his entire team, uh, ended up, um, perishing. Uh, he was the only one, the, the local, uh, the local town actually took him in and protected him while he was attempting to, uh, rehabilitate himself. Um, but yeah, the, you talked about the clunkiness. Like they go on this, they're supposed to just be getting intel. Um, then they get up in these Afghan mountains and the comms are just not working. So they have to try to, Hey, we got to get to this crest over here. Maybe lone, lone survivor. Lone survivor. Not, yeah. It's sorry. Like lone survivor. survivor. Yeah. No, yeah. Lone yeah. survivor. I should have put uh, that together. But just, yeah, the, the, the hey, this should just be an easy in and out type thing, and then yeah. you 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 turn left and oh, this isn't working. Okay, let's go over here and try that. No, that's not. Oh God. Oh, and yeah. then one thing just it turns into this, that, and the next. And I mean, it 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 shows it's a great illustration of you know even the the most awesome units in the military and how everything can go wrong. And that's seals also. So is zero dark thirty with seal teams. Mm-hmm. Going in and things are going wrong. Cause I mean, let's, let's be honest. Every training operation, every real world operation, you've got this amazing plan. 80% of it doesn't work. And that's, yeah. that's, you know, another testament to, to the, uh, the ability to adapt by military people. Um, hey, radios don't work. Have no comms. By the way, we're being surrounded by the bad guys. Let's figure out a way to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, in that case, they didn't do very, they didn't fare very well, but. I'm glad that one of them at least made it a way to tell the stories of the others who were ultimately courageous uh, and, and wouldn't yeah, expect gave them the respect that they deserve. Yeah, yeah. by by telling right. the story, it's an amazing story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're getting ready to wrap up here. I just wanted to say that I think that trying to find hobbies, something to take your mind off of everything, and and you're able to sink some sort of effort into and and, yep. and begin to see some sort of fruitfulness from it is a big thing for people when they transition out. Yep. Um, I do this podcast. I also do another podcast. I was not aware of this until Sunday when, uh, when I jumped on to do the other podcast, but my other podcast is a, uh, it's a football podcast, uh, website writers, all that good stuff. Um, but we also have merchandise. We are actually, um, doing a salute to service t-shirt this year. Awesome. Uh, that's going to benefit Fisher house. If you don't know what Fisher house is, they build, uh, homes for military members and their families to stay in while their loved ones are, are injured or dealing with, uh, medical issues on bases and around VA medical facilities. So, um, if you're interested at all, feridianglobal.com, you can go there, um, under their football category. You can find Dynasty Happy Hour. There's the, uh, salute to service t-shirts we have out there. So all the, all the proceeds, absolutely all the money goes to Fisher House. So it's a great cause if you're interested in all of that. Um, Matt, you got anything else you wanted to hit on this week? Nothing here. Got to make sure that uh, if you're catching us this time, you know, subscribe, follow us on all those different channels. Tim, I'm sure you're going to do the whole wrap up here, but yeah. um, you got to make sure that we're uh, staying in touch with our audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. We do have Veterans Day coming up here in a few short weeks, as mm-hmm. well as uh, Miracle Birthday, which, as a matter of fact, I had an employee ask me, "Hey, can I have off uh, November 10th?" I go. Now, and he goes, what? I said, if you can tell me, I said, I said, what's the importance with November 10th? And he goes, what's my birthday? I said, okay. I said, if you can tell me what other big birthday happened November 10th, you'd have you to say off. And he goes, oh, I don't know, is it yours? It's You're, one of mine. And he goes, kinda, did you get up in his face like, it's my birthday too. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, what do you mean kind? And I go, November 10th, 1775, Sun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. The United States Marine Corps was born. The greatest yeah. fighting force. This world is ever seen. He just goes, yep. okay, so gonna have the day. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll put you on the calendar. Thanks, yeah, sir. We'll, uh, we'll have to have, we'll have to do something for that too. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up. And those are important days. Uh, you know, non-Marines don't see it, but, um, as a matter of fact, I think that's a Wednesday. It is. It is. No, I'm there sorry. No, 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 no. Veterans Days. Veterans Days a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking at my it's, calendar. It's right the Marine now. Corps birthday recovery day is what I like to call it. It is the recovery. It's post Marine Corps birthday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no less. Very important days, both of them. Uh, yeah. 
you know, we get to salute uh, on Veterans Day, obviously saluting those men and women who have worn the uniform. But mm-hmm. uh, on the Marine Corps birthday, that is the the day that uh, it, traditionally for Marines, at least, that our, our livers cry out um, and we eat cake. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, all important days in the, in the lives of, of veterans and Marines. Yeah. So look forward to that. Uh, as Matt hit it on uh, earlier. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, give us a recommendation. Rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like us to cover. Uh, if you or someone you know is a veteran, a military member, or somebody that deals with military issues, we'd love to hear from them. We'd love to chat. We'd love to have them on the podcast. So have them reached out to us as well as on the all the social media platforms. You can find the podcast on all major podcast platforms. Again, please rate and review. That helps us get into the ears and eyes of more listeners, like-minded individuals like yourselves. So with that being said, thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week right here at Veterans Beyond the Wire podcast.